shop. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Gray. Thank you. Oh, man. Uh, welcome to Talking Shop, the podcast where I dive into my guest relationship with their work to learn why they love to do what they do. Holding the Christmas mug tonight is uh, improviser, writer, and former skit teacher, Michael Capristo. Hi. Thank you. Mike has been doing long-form improv since 2007 when he studied at the UCB Theater in New York, following by a stint at the Steel City Improv Theater. Uh, before his current residence in Los Angeles, the City of Angels, where he performs with his team Old Vegas at I.O. West. But all the Old Vegas fans here? <laughs> yeah. uh, I first met Mike at auditions for the first skit house teams back in the day when um, I did a few scenes with him. And I felt so lucky when I saw I was put on a team with him, our first team, The Intervention. I was intimidated by his lightning wit but learned a ton performing with him every week. Uh, so it is my great honor to welcome to the stage, already sitting here tonight, Michael Capristo. Thank you for having me, Brian. Thank you for coming. Yeah, it's really absolutely. so nice that you're back in town uh, and uh, able to uh, hang out tonight. Yeah. Um, so uh, you, in your past, have approached comedy and, and uh, I don't know, art, this art we do. Let's say art. Uh, from many perspectives as an improviser, uh, a, a sketch writer, and a video game developer. Uh, in, in which role do you, do you feel more, most comfortable? Or like, wh which one did you start in? Which one do you find? I, I, well, I started as a writer because um, that's what I, I switched everything I was doing in college to writing and at the expense of a liberal, liberal arts uh, curriculum, like I, you know. So I this is like legit writing, like yeah. Writing. Well, mostly screenwriting and uh. and things like that, and really just doing that for a while, and then doing. I didn't start doing improv till right after college ended, but I just I feel way. Even though I've been doing writing longer, and I like it, and that's what I uh, I do most. It's always more uncomfortable than being on stage doing improv. It's I'm more. It's more. more way more. Uh, comfortable with how I do improv than how I write. That's interesting. So, do, you, do you find that the two, the process is different for, for the two? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, the, hard, the hardest part of writing is rewriting things. Mm. Uh, and that's the hardest to master. It's where lazy people have the hardest <laughs> time. So improv really just kind of addresses that very neatly. Yeah. No rewriting necessary or capable of happening. So I know that some people use improv as a means of writing. Um, and some people who improvise don't. Do you, do you use, imp like, do you ever improvise stuff and then write based on that or use improv in if, your writing? If I do it, for, in, I guess, the first draft? If I do it, it's in my head and I'm not aware of it. I do it when I'm writing with other people for sure. Okay. Definitely. I don't, yeah. How, how would you describe uh, improvising in your head or, or you just, you don't know it's happening? I think, you, I think I don't know how it's happening. And if I don't happen to do it, that's when I write something poor. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did the, the rule, we'll talk more about the game and such. Do you think that the rules of improv affect your writing, like at least comedy writing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes to a detriment because, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not improv. Like you can write whatever you want and no one's going to criticize it for being bad improv. So uh, sometimes the rules are, are really helpful. And then other times it's like, no, you don't have to heighten 
for a spec script for New Girl as much <laughs> as you would for, you know, it's not, the rules aren't necessarily the same. Sometimes you just need like one funny thing or one unrelated funny thing. And that is interesting. I, I hear a lot in, in improv, so I haven't done much writing, but like, um, you know, Harold is the structure for all good writing or, uh, you know, uh, is this siren? Uh, or, uh, I don't know, a lot of these rules make great sketch or make great writing. And I, I do believe that's true in a lot of cases. But I, I think that when people write, I, I don't know, like, how much... It's interesting to hear you say, like, it's sometimes helpful, sometimes a detriment. Like, outside of that example you gave, can you think of an example of when it really helped some of your writing? Um, it, it definitely helped. Uh, anytime I had to write a sketch... Because uh, I wrote sketch before I started doing improv, and the sketches I wrote before I started doing improv were really poor. Well, let's not self-judge. I'll just say they were like really uh, uh, specific, uh, so conceptual, like so mm. highly conceptual, so asking you to make these big leaps in reality and whatever, like just as though I were. The I thought that one person, I, I was all of Monty Python. <laughs> One and I could get away with something that was like not touching reality at all, and that's so difficult. And then you do improv, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's all right there. The humor's right there. I don't need to, I don't need to recreate a whole different world with like a different gravity and a different, <laughs> you know, it's it's there. Uh, so let's flip that a little bit. Um, Matt Besser of the UCB, where you you first studied improv, says. I have said in interviews that improv scenes should be uh, good enough to be written up as a sketch. Like if you're doing a scene that is that could not that is funny just because it's in the moment, that's not good enough for an improv s- scene. Um, do you find coming from from a writing background that that's how you approach improv as well? That it should be good enough to be a sketch? Yeah, that the best improv you could write down. He, he does say you would revise it as well, but that you could write it down and it w- could stand on its own. Yeah, I think that's... I'll agree with Matt Besser on that. <laughs> uh, well, it's like, it still stinks of improv, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, when you write... And it's funny, because... I love that phrase. Well, it's so pejorative. <laughs> uh, well, like, it's funny coming from Matt Besser, because Matt, like, I don't... I don't I, I wasn't around for when he was putting up shows, sketch shows. Yeah. Uh, aside from like their Halloween show that he wrote years ago or whatever. Um, but so all I really know is the UCB show. Uh, and that is improv. That's all just improv. You can tell that that's improv <laughs> and it's great. Um, so he has his own, like, I think he more than anyone subscribes to that. And people well, I know who do improv and sketch will have sketch that really doesn't seem as like they're improv at all. It, it's interesting too because you're saying you get that philosophy about improv because his sketch looks like improv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds kind of like, uh, I don't know, it's a, it's a circular definition. Um, uh, let's, let me talk about one other thing I think is interesting in your, in your background, which is the video game thing that I mentioned comes from uh, a program you did at the Entertainment Technology Center at CMU, um, which Sounds uh, fascinating to me, and and you mentioned doing some writing and some uh, other work there. Uh, is there a particular project or something that you found interesting, or that maybe helped helped your work as a comedian? Uh, yeah, I would say that 
Well, it's interesting because in, in that school, I kind of tried to just do what I do. You know, people don't like change. So <laughs> I, I, by the end of the year, I had gotten permission for us to just be making kind of a 3D Pixar student film, which uh, yeah. you know, I had to finagle. But when I was writing video games and, and just designing, real quick, when you say do what you do, do like what were they intending you to I wanted do? To be, I wanted to just be like, I want to write some short films and then all these technological people around me can make it for me. I see. Uh, which is not, that's not necessarily in the spirit of the program I went to. Um, but I did learn that a lot about attention and keeping attention. Cause it's all, cause a video game, you cannot get more moment to moment concern for the player's attention mm. than designing a video game. And I think we, I, I, at least before that, maybe I took for granted in the theater world that it's like, what's theater? So people already came here. I've got a lot of leeway. They're going to have to, <laughs> it takes so much effort to get up out of your seat and leave or, you know, or everyone's going to be with me and hunkered down. Um, but I don't know. If you think more in terms of like micro moments, okay, I'll just go, we'll just do the whole metaphor. It's like sometimes when I'm doing me- improv, I like to put Easter eggs in my... <laughs> Improv that people can discover and they can choose to like it. I, I use uh, indirect control to uh, move uh, the players the way I want to. Um, yeah, it definitely. I mean, it, it bleeds over. If anything, it just exposes you to this whole new audience of people, mm. like people who don't who's who take in ninety five percent of what they of their entertainment is video games, and they have a different standard <laughs> for how quickly. And how much they're to be entertained, and and just knowing that that audience exists uh, is probably a good thing to keep in mind. I love this idea of, of Easter eggs. I don't know if you legitimately do that or if that was kind of a joke. But that was it, snark. It, it seemed like snark, um, but it it seemed very. It, it would seem if that was. Excuse me. Sorry, podcast audience, about that burp. Um, but. Uh, like earlier today, you taught a workshop about game, which was fantastic workshop for those of you who were there. Um, and uh, Greg Gelati, uh, previous guest of the show, performed with you in a duo called Gelati, Capristo, and Beck. Mm-hmm. Uh, said of your style, Mike is always is always game and very very quick. Um, would you say game is a fundamental part of your improv philosophy? Um, yeah, because game is. Something that you like a word you make up to explain why something's funny. You know what I mean? Uh, what? So can you say more about that? Well, uh, well, because it's like it's all it is. It's it's more than just a pattern. It's a successful pattern. Um, and if, and if you make a successful, entertaining pattern, you can retroactively label that a game. Um, but it's hard. I, and and I think that my luckily, like my strong suit when I started improv was that. I was a writer and I do like, and I, and I already kind of think in games. So like I can, I never had a problem with understanding game. I could have a problem putting a game that anybody wanted to see, but I (laughs) understood what it was and I could, um, identify it and make it. But just knowing, like you have to have other ways to get to it. Like that's what the workshop was. It was like getting it through character or getting it through, um, just like good improv habits or, or just having a sense of what's entertaining and I'm, I, I, don't, I haven't been improvising long enough that I have decided how I feel about game as a teaching tool, hmm. really. Uh, I think you need to ignore it a lot at a lot of stages and then focus on it at others. UCB, for instance, they're level twos, uh, which was great. I love starting at UCB. That's my preamble. Um, <laughs> but 
uh, level two and level three and level four is just crowded with these people who are racking their brains over game. And they're, they're like, what's an analogous scene? I don't understand. And you're like, well, analogous scene is a scene nobody wants to watch. Because you just, <laughs> you just, did, a scene, you just did a scene where you're doctors, and now you're doing a scene where you're two presidents of different countries, like, saying the same things and hitting the same beats. And, you know, if you're successful, it just means you're funny and you manage to come up with new stuff in that yeah. uh, thing. So, I... Yeah, I, I, I would say games a successful pattern. That's what I'll. That's interesting. So, would you say like if um, if you play a pattern and it's uh, there's definitely a pattern there, like uh, you know, where I mean, this is going to be a contrived example, but like uh, we uh, make it an organic example. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 do you the opposite of contrived. Example. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, you know, we walk into a store and there's no milk, and then we look and there's no cereal, and then we look and there's no spoons, and you know that's our scene. Yeah, is is that you know, th- and somehow that was a pattern, but it wasn't successful. You'd say like that scene had no no game. I would say, well, yeah, I would just be like that's an unsuccessful pattern you made, or it's not even a pattern. That's just three things in the same category. <laughs> uh, and then that's when you get into people trying to teach what heightening is and stuff, which is just making something more interesting as you go along or getting more specific or getting more intense or right. more whatever. Uh, more adjective. More, more adjective. Um, the idea of the UCB definition of the first unusual thing that happens in a scene, does that, does that not ring? Does that not do anything for you? At least as I've, I've heard it. I, I, I think sometimes maybe that was okay. I, I don't want to shit on it when it might have helped me at one point. Right. And I just forgot about. And that. I'm not. To be fair, I'm not trying to get you to. Sh- I'm. I'm trying to figure. I. I think you play games well, yeah, so well. But I know what a good I want to get into is. your head. <laughs> and it's shitting on things. And I'm really not trying to do it. Yeah. I want to. I think you do it so well. I'm trying to understand how that works for you. And I'm also going to play with you in a little bit. And I want to. I want to play your style of game. So sure. So let's not uh, talk bad of anyone else. No, but a first unusual thing is an interesting thing, just because uh, unusual doesn't mean entertaining, or unusual doesn't mm. mean interesting even. And if you tell a bunch of people that they're looking for the most first unusual thing, uh, you'll just have a bunch of people coming out on the stage intentionally doing uh, unusual yeah. things. And I don't know. I, on some level, I think it maybe takes away from the in, those precious Big Bang moments. Those first like five seconds to 10 seconds of a scene if you're worried about because you can throw away the first unusual thing if you're like that's not interesting oh uh you know that's interesting he blew his nose while i was talking it's like maybe <laughs> maybe i want to run with it and then maybe you don't so yeah yeah uh there's something else really fascinating that you said but i didn't bring a pen out so i'm going to forget it until i listen to the podcast and <laughs> kick myself um Oh, so let's talk real quick. So I just took this workshop, but I don't... Uh, so maybe we'll talk about some of those. Um, it's possible also that character isn't your only way. So when you are thinking about game or, or teaching uh, students about game, what are some exercises that you like to try to get people to find that game quicker or play it harder or whatever you term you'd use to say to, to think about game? I, I think... That the like one of the only exercise, well, second beats exercises are just amazing for game because you can mm. discover a pattern. You can be in a scene with somebody, just a, a first beat of a scene, and if you're doing all the improv rules right and you're relaxed or whatever, you might end up having a, an amazing scene that again retroactively has a game, uh, but you don't know it. 
so it's almost in the act of doing those second beat exercises that you start to realize how you you created your own game and and I want to hear the answer to that first question but I love that idea too that you can you can have game and not know it because I think a lot of people work so hard to find it and I do too and pick it out and and identify it so when when you play you're not in that moment you're not thinking like what is this pattern what is this game how do I how do I establish that uh, no, I don't think so. I think, but, but I am though. Uh, you know what? I am. And I'll qualify by saying that I grew up watching a ton of like sketch and TV, mm. just like t- TV shows and sketch and just like coming home and instead of doing my homework, watching the, the three hour block of kids in the hall that yes. played on Comedy Central. After school. I know. After school. And then why, how are you going to do anything else but watch all the kids <laughs> in the hall? So, so I think uh, that's just like a level of, uh, intellectual training that I can map on top of stuff I'm doing where it's just right. like you've seen the skeleton so many times that you know when you're doing, you know when a move you're making, as soon as you make it, you're like, you either know that it was something good or, uh, or something that somebody else is going to have to work with you to make good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so, and I struggle too to teach second beats because I, I don't, I have some exercises that I think work pretty well, but like what, what's a good second beat exercise you do, or do you just run a show I, to second well, beat? I, I would, what I, was helpful for me learning it was just everybody, not having people doing second beats and moving on, but having, you know, 12 people in a class all do a second beat for the same mm. scene. And then you, everybody quickly learns which are the, 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 like the ones that work and which don't. Right. And you get to see how your mind works and you're like, somebody will come out from the wall will, you know, and do a second beat that you were thinking of. And you were like, well, that's not that great. You're right. That's kind of <laughs> obvious. I, maybe, maybe I could be a little more playful in the way that I uh, approach it. Um, but that's when you define game. I mean, I don't really know what a game of a scene is until I'm trying to think of a second beat, I think. Um. I have so much to ask you in so little time. Uh, I do want to say, uh, oh my god. Uh, okay, two more things. So you often play very close to yourself on stage. Um, is this something? Is that at all conscious? Like something you were you were taught and found that you like to do, or have you uh, just kind of that's your mo? It's it works for me on a lot of levels, and then it's also super limiting. I feel like because I went to if I had gone if I had started doing improv anywhere but the UCB, that <laughs> habit would have been yelled out of me. Like it would have been uh, it would have been changed because there's not another improv theater that has such a lax. Uh, attitude towards character. It, they're, they're, it's just like a writer's improv. UCB is like writer's improv. You know? Yeah, it's the, they like good acting and they like whatever. But I mean, it, it's not. It, 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 since I started going to IO, it's just like those classes are. They're acting classes, and I need those, and they're <laughs> they're super valuable. And it's really uh, my weakest point would be something like that. So, and that's why I would teach a character workshop is because. I can't teach the thing that the one I can't teach the part of improv that I know instinctively. That wouldn't be good for anyone because mm. I don't know how I got there. But with character, because I have to work so hard at it, really, I know what I'm doing. Like I can teach it now. You know, that's so okay. you find you're playing more bigger characters now that you're taking. This yeah, and it's still it is still somewhat of a conscious thing. You know, and I don't know why I fight myself on it because it's one of those <laughs> like anything else. It's a thing that once you just do it and give into it. It's way easier, way easier. Uh, and that's a great lead into. I, I also wanted to ask you a little bit about just so you've you've studied in in LA 
and in Pittsburgh and in New York. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the the different scenes and what you notice about like actually working in those cities? Uh, yeah. Oh, I've told. I could talk. If we were just talking vaguely about scenes, <laughs> scenes of cities. Oh, I could talk about that forever. But um, we'll talk for one minute. <laughs> I need a minute per city. Uh, well, New York. Uh, it's like I, I came into improv definitely when it was very popular. Uh, 2007 was probably that was when the they peak, were farming a say. lot of people to SNL. The peak. Yeah, and we've, we've just been riding. This. I'm gonna take off my lab mic now. <laughs> this is over. Uh, New York. My I, I really liked learning in New York. It didn't have a uh, professional element to it mm. that Los Angeles does. Uh, it's very strange, but it, it, it does. You wouldn't think you'd be like, "Oh, people do their acting and their commercials and stuff," and then when they come to improv, they leave that at the door. And it's like, <laughs> nope, they bring that shit right in with them, and you're watching their commercial uh, and performing with it. <laughs> and and uh, Pittsburgh was a, a, just amazing to come here and just get here four months after people had decided to start having an improv community, yeah. more or less, and then just dovetailing into it with you know just very easily and. Uh, um, get you know, CLC improv. You know, tons of stage time. Like you said, we uh, um, with the, with the first house teams. It's just, I mean, that's alone is an amazing experience. To be the first house team uh, <laughs> at any theater is just something really you know nice, and you, you don't always get that. Yeah, uh, your picture is always going to be on that wall. Yeah, right. <laughs> out, I like the one right outside the bathroom too. That's where I want to. <laughs> that's where I would want to be. Uh, uh, great. Well, yeah. we're going to do some improv now. Um, okay. We talked about doing a mono scene. Is that correct? Sure. Uh, I like it. Although after the work, so in the workshop we did Laurent, and I was telling Mike after, like, I, I wish we could think of a way to do a two-person Laurent because I love that part of the workshop so much, but we weren't that clever. So maybe someone will write in because a lot of people write into this show <laughs> and uh, will tell me how to do that. But in the meantime, let's do a mono scene. You on a cloud. If that's your only point, then no, you are not an art critic. 
I <laughs> you are right. I never profess to be an art critic. First of all, you you put this painting in your basement above a washer dryer. You're gonna tell me you thought it it was a great painting? Who puts a painting above a washer dryer? Brian, I don't have loft space. I just have this is where I keep all the stuff, my treasures. Yeah. yeah, is that why you you put your uh your goose here? Yeah, I carved that goose. I carved that goose and spray painted it gold, and I was happy with the way it turned out. Well, listen, the feathers came out better than I thought my night work had been. So, Mike, I'm not a, uh, I'm not an art critic. No, I'm, you are rapidly becoming an art critic. I'm not a sculpture critic. I never criticize sculpture for a living. No one's written up. I put them on my blog, but no one puts them in a newspaper. I'm just saying. <laughs> You're an art critic. You you said, let's go downstairs. I want to play a game of pool. And I said, fine. And now we're not now it's just it's your blog spot. You're getting things for your blog. I can't I can't walk straight to a pool table and not make a comment about this this block face cloud painting and this half-ass goose sculpture. I think <laughs> you invited me over halfway through a load. I'm not gonna wait. I'm living life, man. There's stuff that goes on during the day that I can do. And I'm wiping my whole schedule to play. Mike, you could have just said, "Hey, I'm halfway through a load. Come over and." Twenty-nine minutes. Did you ever think you're supposed to accept people the way they are? You know? No, I didn't go to kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, I heard yeah. that. I heard it in kindergarten, but I grew up. I grew up and went to the real world. Why don't we go, if you want to go to a museum, we can go to a gallery. Oh, I've been, they pay me to go to museums. <laughs> so you are a professional artist. <laughs> I, it's a side job. <laughs> oh man, don't sandbag me. This is like a hustle. This is a hustle. I know. I'm not paid to be an art critic, and now this is gonna be. It's not my full time job, is what I'm saying. I'm professionally. When you're downstairs and we're supposed to be hanging out on my day off, just punch out, okay? Punch out. It's hard for me. I care. I have a lot of passion about art. I'm passionate about art. Well, I like the. Man. Now, 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 you just put your stink onto all of this. Can we, can we just play pool? Just play some pool after all? Yeah. Okay. Good. And your purple pool table. <laughs> just, it's a purple velvet pool table. What is this, 1972? So now you're a traditionalist? You need it to be green? <laughs> just, what a, what a, just, I feel like I'm playing pool with Prince. The artist, not the title. Okay, man. I'm just gonna say, the basement from now on is a sarcasm free zone. Okay? So, unless you're not being sarcastic. No, unless you're really confusing me for Prince and you actually thought that for a moment you were playing cool with Prince, that's not a can say it that way. Yeah! Then that's when you can say it. Instead, be like, oh, purple, that's an interesting choice. Or say nothing. Right. You're right. I, I got a chip on my shoulder. 
But it's when someone pays you for your opinion, you feel like you can give them out to anyone. No, you don't want to. I'm gonna look at your blog. Right. I'm gonna criticize your blog. Look, I'm not a professional blog criticizer. No, you're not. But I'm a. I have thick skin. I can take it. I can take dish it out. Well, this is pretty good, actually. <laughs> it's kind of right. You like that layout? I look. I do like Squarespace blog. And I like that you put in bold your like your your really most critical sentence so that it just. I make sure I draw the eye to it. You know what they say? Cows are talking on here already. <laughs> <laughs> Instant uploads. Have you seen the Squarespace mobile app? No, it is. I saw. I've heard a commercial for it on a podcast. Yeah, they're all over the blogosphere. I mean, the pod, what do you call a podcast? The podosphere. The podosphere. Yeah. See, you got some redeeming qualities. <laughs> what? That is the worst backhanded compliment ever. Just, just take a shot. Get over this conversation. I, you know, I teach a class at the annex. I don't think that's a good. I don't think we have a, a relationship with that. I think that's too tense. I can't. We're already in a situation where we're supposed to be friends hanging out, and you've already taken the teacher role. I don't know what you're going to be like if I actually paid to take a class with you. You know, your bedside manner leaves something to be desired. I was just sitting here trying to help you out. Bedside manner. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just means the way that you, it's like a doctor. Yeah! <laughs> but but it's like normal, <laughs> normal people also have a bedside, it's now it means something else. Are you a professional word, Smith? Is that what's happening? No, oh, everyone knows a bedside manner. I've submitted a few words to Webster. I want to talk to you about that set. Like I felt, it was about halfway through that I started to feel like really in my head, like I, like it's just game, game, game. Like I, <laughs> like I think it started real easy and charactery for me, but just because we were talking. Uh, so much about a game that I'm like, I gotta just keep, uh, I gotta keep, like, it never even, like, explored or, like, like, I just kept doing the same thing and it was unfortunately, like, an asshole thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Felt, so, like, I'm like, I mean, it's playable. It's I wanted to start being to be. nice, I guess, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, there was a point at which I'm less, it's like, I guess I gotta keep, uh, finding ways to, um, critique you, uh, I don't know, did you, did you feel, like, was there a point, like, at one point I thought you were, like, almost genuinely being, like, why don't you be nice in your improv? Oh, <laughs> uh, but I wouldn't, at that point, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known what to do with that, I mm, guess. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did That's you feel, I feel, you like, feel I, I feel like, I feel like if only, you know, 
the only universal improv rule I thought we weren't paying attention to maybe that we could have used was like giving giving it a rest. Right. You know what I mean? Like we our, our giving it a rest was like pool, blah, object work. And, blah. Yeah, well, and that's, I felt that too, and I was like, let's just play pool, and then I immediately went back to the game, uh, just like one line later, that was rough, uh, but I did like the, um, it's funny almost, because you, you can't really do a mono scene in 10 minutes, it's just a long scene. Yeah, yeah, uh, a long but, I, so, but in the beginning, I was thinking, like, as a mono scene, I'm going to have to do some, and we can, we were also, t- I just lost that thought, but we were also talking right before this about, like, default to excuse me, enjoying, like, don't have a problem with what you're doing, who you are, where you're at. And we started immediately. I was just very negative. I felt bad about that, too. Well, it's okay. I mean, like, I, I feel like that's okay if it works as the scene. Okay, yeah. Uh, whenever you, you don't like it is when you see somebody uh, start a scene where they, they don't want to be where they are. And then it, it becomes... The other person thinks then it becomes their job to make that o- person okay with where they are. Right. And so they'll start dismantling pieces of the scene. It'll just be like, I, I don't want to go on a car trip. And then they'll just be like, okay, we won't take the car. It's okay. <laughs> that was the one thing we had in this scene and yeah. it's gone now. It's okay. You know, and, but if you're like an asshole about it back, you maybe have a, you could have a scene. Right. Yeah. We were at least agreeing like that the, uh, like that you started or we started like I don't think it looks like you like oh my friend made it like it wasn't like yeah I'm yeah rich. oh I like I like the uh, I, I like the uh, character of I'm not a professional blank and then <laughs> proceeding to be on some level really professional about it yeah uh-huh. uh, good we have a question over here you want to shoot hi hey uh, hey oh hey Greg what's up man <laughs> Because he's about to rip you a new one. <laughs> <laughs> Point one. Uh, okay, uh, you're, uh, very interestingly, um, you put earlier this sort of idea of internalizing certain skills. And then when you don't think about it anymore, it's how you do it. You talk about like mapping the skills in the scene, knowing what beats are going to come. So you were adept at that, very adept at that. When you started moving to I.O., you're saying you want know, more actory, theatrical character work stuff. Uh, as you're working on that skill set, have you noticed the quality of your scenes changing? And I don't mean good, bad, I mean type. Like, what are the scenes feeling like now that you're trying a different skill set? Ah. Uh, I, the simple answer would just be more organic. And I know that's like become an improv buzzword, but I, I mean it in the sense that. Uh, it, they, feel, they start to feel less writerly and more reactive sometimes, um, and you know that part—that's the stuff that you've internalized—is always there, really. As long as you're doing it, you know, you, there's no there's no shame in like not working on that for a while. So, I had a teacher at I.O. who uh, basically I would I, if you're good at something in improv, it's very easy to coast on it sometimes. And I feel like half the teachers that I owe, some, my first, I would kind of coast when I wasn't feeling it. And I had one teacher who was just like, this, your act, that's acting is not doing it for me. Uh, <laughs> and just left everything out. Wouldn't criticize me on, or even, wouldn't criticize or compliment me on anything else in my improv because he was like, this is, this is the thing. Like, I, I'm not going to give you any other notes because this is the most glaring 
note is that I'm not yeah. believing this right now. Um, <laughs> and then that's, I, I respond very well to negative, that kind of like that feedback. So <laughs> I internalize that. No, that's great. Uh, so more organic. Is there another, another question up to the plate? Yeah, that's interesting because it's not like I'm at a position in my play where I don't hate a percentage of the characters I do. <laughs> so that's a hard question to answer. But I would, I, I think the wise answer, if I'm going to channel other improv people that I know, is that what you hate is the characteristics you're focusing on. You don't necessarily hate the character or you hate that all you have are characteristics and you don't have a point of view because it's so hard to hate a point of view. There's few, I mean, in the real world, uh, you know, hating Jews is <laughs> a, a point of view that you, you don't like. But in, on, the, on the stage, it's like you can, you can embody any point of view and be okay with it. So I, sometimes, I mean, not always, but sometimes I think it's more a case of just hating the information that you've been focusing on and that there's no way, you can always find a way to justify the character, and if not, your scene mate can kind of justify how bad or hated your character is. Uh, can you give us the quick uh, high level of the difference between a characteristic and a character? Oh, well, a characteristic is uh, an accent. Um, it's 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 you know uh, a pat. Well, I'll just give the example we had in a workshop today was there was a scene that started with somebody who couldn't, for the life of them, uh, choose a cereal. Uh, that was their thing that they had given themselves. And that's a characteristic. Uh, because if you were to play the whole scene with just that in your mind, be like, that's my character, you would have to have a grounded emotional scene with somebody, and then it would be like, Brian, I'm leaving the house. And just be like, hold on, I have to go pick a cereal. <laughs> because that's what I've established that my character does. But if you, if you just be like, well, what kind of person can't pick a cereal? It's somebody who's afraid of missing out on everything. Then you're freed up, and you don't even have to be choosing things at that point. You don't have to be setting up because the audience can do that for you, color that in. So when you're doing characteristics, the audience can just do that for you. But the POV, um, yeah, so I don't know. I guess that's it. That's the difference. Uh, well, that's about all the time we have here. If you loved this episode, please come back next month. On September 21st, I will be talking with student teacher and Chicagoan Rick Walker. I promise this time he will be on the show. Uh, our podcast tonight was recorded in front of a live audience at the Steel City Improv Theater in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. A special thanks to Omar Arnelis for production support, Aaron Tarnow for tech, uh, the beautiful and talented Michelle Horsley for our opening theme, and of course, Michael Capristo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. Uh, oh yeah, for this and past episodes, uh, head on over to brianmgray.com slash podcast. And please, 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 if you like the show, leave me a review on iTunes so that anyone else will ever hear the show. Uh, thank you guys. Have a good night. And please uh, clear out uh, so that we can get Lapone set up quickly. Thank you. We love you. Get the fuck out. <laughs>